And welcome once again to another edition of Footnotes. Pastor Mark here with all the other pastors today. And we're super excited to talk with you about a subject entitled, Your Presence is Requested. Why Church Attendance Matters. I think it's going to be good and helpful for you today. So stay with us as we talk about your presence and being in the local church. So guys, it's been several weeks since we have done a podcast, correct? Yes. And Brandon is here with us today. Now guys, why have we taken a hiatus off of podcasting? Why? I mean, everything has really been busy around here. It has. And I just want to say that because I've gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of good feedback. So I went on a bus trip with our BFF. And if you don't know what BFF is, it's not best friends forget for forever. It's not best friends forgever. It's best bearing, bearing fruit, fruit for something. Bearing I don't fruit know. forever. Yeah. They used to be the jolly sixties back in the day. And now they've changed it to BFF. And I keep wanting to call them the season saints. And I think at one time they were the golden agers. I don't know. But anyway, the BF f which is best friends forgiver anyway i went with them to the ark and uh that was that was a wonderful experience got to know many of them loved them we had a lot of fun and many of them said on that trip are you recording a podcast this week and i said no i'm here with you and they're <laughs> they're like well we listen every week so i'm so thankful for all our best friends forgiver who are listening to us at the podcast every week so a shout out to them and then i was on our washington trip with north point and i had some of our people say really love the podcast we enjoy listening to it so i'm so thankful apparently people actually listen to this i mean who knew not just our mothers not just our mothers so we're talking today about your presence is requested why attendance in the local church matters now really quick brandon many moons ago a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we did a podcast on coming back to church after the COVID. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Don't you love when people call it COVID? Have you heard that? Yes. Brady's saying I've, no. I've, I've heard, heard people. I've well, heard when I had the COVID. Anyway, we did a podcast about coming back after COVID. And this is different from that podcast, correct, Brandon? Absolutely. Yes. So this is not just about coming back to church after a pandemic. This is really about being involved and why it's important for you to be here to be involved. So we're going to answer three questions today. Number one, why should you attend church? Number two, how often should you attend church? And number three, what do you do once you're here? Why is it important? So let's start with number one, gentlemen, why should you attend church? Now, I think in our pre-meeting, we, we came up with two sub points. We said, well, because the church needs you and you need the church. So if someone were to ask us, why should I attend on a regular basis at Broadway? We would say, well, you need the church and the church needs you. So let's just kind of explore that for a moment what would you tell somebody if they said why is it important that i be there every weekend or as much as i possibly can well i'd say the first thing uh is because we all need to sit under uh the teaching of god's word uh, and we need to sit under the god the teaching of god's word corporately uh not just individually where we're all doing our own thing uh the fact of the matter is god calls some people to ministry uh, God, God has called Mark specifically to be the pastor of our church, and he's laid a message uh, upon him and a teaching. And we're supposed to sit under that teaching and submit ourselves to it. And so if we're not even having that regular attendance, we are not obeying God's word and we're not submitting to its teaching. Uh, and so I'd say that's the number one basic reason. Why do you need the church? Well, because you need to sit under the teaching of the word of God and, you know, getting a little devotional or listening 
to someone else speak on a podcast or YouTube video, you know, who lives several states away when you don't even know him personally. That's not how God has organized the church. There's supposed to be a pastor teaching the word of God to his flock, uh, to his people, and we're all supposed to be submitting under it together, hearing it at the same time. And I think that's a very good point because we live in this day and age where you can get anyone's sermons, anyone's podcast. I had a guy reach out to me yesterday who lives in Missouri. I used to work with him years and years ago, and he said, hey, I, I'm listening to your Esther series, and at the same time you're preaching Esther, three other Southern Baptist churches are preaching Esther. I think that it's a conspiracy. And, of course, these other churches are not even in our state, but I just kind of wrote back to him via text. That's the day and age in which we live, right? So like never before you have the opportunity to go to multiple churches and hear what's being preached. So hopefully they're all preaching the word of God. And so when they do that, you're going to have some overlap. But what's unique about the local church is that you have a pastor who is preaching to you, right? Mass produced sermons to the masses that's not always relational to you, but I just firmly believe in preaching that the pastor ought to think about the people he's preaching to as he prepares the sermon, as he writes the sermon, as he preaches the sermon, thinking about the congregation in his mind, and hopefully it's very personal to what that area is going through, those people are going through, those issues. So that's a good point. I mean, it's good to be in the house of the Lord where it's your church and it's personal. Let's talk about this, though. How many people do you think listening to this are honestly asking themselves this question? Why do they want us to always be at church? And do you think they're answering that with answers like this? I mean, I know myself, I would certainly think this if I weren't a pastor. Well, they just want us to be there so that it's a full house. They just want us to be there so that the numbers look good. And we know that there have been pastors that have made that the focus of their ministry. Years ago, I was at a particular church here in South Haven. I mean, this was like 20 years ago. And the pastor stated in a revival meeting at from the pulpit that his goal was to be big, bigger than Bellevue. And it was all about numbers. This was a local South Haven church. And, uh, you know, Surely some of our people think cynically because they've heard that. They've heard that from different pastors, and they think, well, your goal is just the three Bs. You just want buildings, butts, and budgets. And if you can answer the three Bs, then that's why you want me to come. But that's really not why Scripture urges us to come. So why do we need the church and the church needs us? Well, I would say to add to that, and I, I love the point about your specific context in which you're preaching, you know the congregation, but also for me, when I'm sitting with my wife and uh, even in family worship days when Jonathan Noah, my, my son, is right next to me, um, you know, you, you feel the energy of the room, like you're you're next to your brothers and sisters who are also hearing the same sermon that you're hearing. So as a member of the church, it kind of helps you put in perspective like how you're using your spiritual gifts to serve one another and how they're using their spiritual gifts to serve you. Um, so there's energy, there's life. When more people are here, there's more activity, there's more presence, there's more uh, life in a worship service than if there were 10 people in a massive room. I mean, it feels like if that were the case, it would be empty and just dead or cold. Uh, but when people are there, there is life there. I mean, physically, just because of the number of people that are in the space, uh, but also spiritually, because you have all of these believers who are coming together, exhibiting their gifts, uh, and doing all of that out of genuine concern for one another. And what that does, Brandon, what you just said is encourages us, yeah. right? When we're in that kind of environment, you know, Hebrews 10, uh, 23 and 24 talks about not neglecting to gather with the believers for the sake of encouragement. And so when we're there and we see other people singing and reminding us of truth or we hear Pastor Mark's sermon, we're encouraged. Or if you're sitting at home alone, you're not getting encouragement, right? You right. often get depressed. You often, I mean, COVID, all these people got depressed because they're alone in their house by themselves away from people. And so when we gather together as a church, we can be encouraged. Yeah, so there's encouragement. And, and we all know this is true in every area of life. I mean, think about sports. If no one comes to the football game, 
and there's only a few people in the stands, it's just not the same energy. It's dead. It's dead. But when a lot of people show up and it's a big deal and it's a big night, there's excitement. There just is. We know that in sports. We know that in drama, right? If it's a full house, it's going to be a great show by the actors. If there's 15 people in the house, you got to pump everybody up. Okay, come on. You know, that's just life. That's the way God designs just relationships in life. You get a, a mass of people together. There is more encouragement. So one of the reasons why we should be here is that our presence is encouraging other believers around us. So when we sing, for example, and there's more people in the room singing, that's encouraging versus absolutely everybody standing there mumbling the words with their hands crossed, looking like I would rather be anywhere else but here singing. This is dutifully horrible. But, but yet when you have a big room and there's a lot of people singing, there's super encouragement. And Brandon, I go back to when we were in Nashville two summers ago at the Southern Baptist Convention. We went to a nine marks at nine at First Baptist Church Nashville, yep. and we were blown away. It was a room full of pastors, packed. Yeah. What happened? I mean, it was it was incredible because you heard, and again, predominantly it was the, the sanctuary was packed full of men, preachers, deacons, uh, leaders in the church, and really uh, Mark Dever got up on the stage, opened his hymnal, asked everybody to turn there, and he just started singing. No then, accompaniment. No accompaniment, no music whatsoever. It was literally just him saying, sing this, and he just started singing. The whole room filled with the sound of men singing at the top of their voices uh, these ancient truths that are just incredible. It was, I would say it was the most uh, significant worship experience, quote unquote, if you want to call it that, in my personal life. It was incredible. So when we gather and we're here and we're able to sing together, we encourage each other. Right. There's a powerful encouragement. Here's another thing I would say. Why should you attend? Because you need the church. You need to be encouraged, but you need to encourage other people as well. The church needs you. But I would also say this, lost people that come to the church, the church is the gospel made visible. So when we see the church gathered and we see the church loving one another and meeting each other's needs and gathering around scripture, it's the gospel visible. So the hope is that when lost people come into our fellowship, they sense something spiritual. They sense an environment that is different from the one in which they just left. They are in a spiritual environment. Now, you don't you don't cater your services to lost people. I firmly believe that. It's for the saints. It's for worship of God. It's for the feeding of the Word of God. But you do hope that lost people will be present. And when they see you worshiping and feeding upon the Word of God, it should spark within them a, a an awareness I do not have this. There is something different about these people. There's different. There's a difference in the way they treat each other. There's a difference in the way they sing. They listen to this sermon. There's a difference here. What is that difference? Now, if we're not here to do that, the gospel is less visible. So a gospel is preached from the pulpit, but we're not seeing the membership love one another. We're not seeing them serve one another. We're not seeing them greet people. You know, so again, it goes back to you walk into a building, especially one like ours, and it's half full. It, well, I don't, I don't know if it's ever been half full, but it's okay. Let's just say it's for full for us. It's, um, you know, a quarter full and no one's there. It, it gives this impression to these people who are coming in. Nothing is really happening here. This is dead uh, because it's empty and no one's here. And this is not exciting at all. And I don't really see anything different because it's so massive. It's so big. So, you know, I'm constantly, you know, praying and trying to push our people. Think about making church a priority. Be here. They say, oh, I watched you online. Well, that's great, but that's not being here. You cannot be encouraged by other people when you're not here, and you cannot encourage others when you are not here. So it's not just about you attending. It's about you have a role to play. You have a position to play. You need to be here because 
God is going to use you to encourage other people, and those people are going to encourage you. And you also need to come expectantly. Like, don't just don't just come, but like come with an expectation that I'm I'm coming to participate. I'm an active participate or participant in whatever is going on. No, you, you had it right. I'm an active participate. I'm an active participate. Yes, I'm with, an active with participant the be, with the best friends forever. Um, <laughs> But for real, I mean, you mentioned sports earlier. Um, those are all spectators, but we expect members to, to do something, right? I mean, it's different in the sense that you're not just cheering on a game. I mean, you're in the game. Uh, as a church member, you are using your gifts and all of those things. So come expectantly. Don't just come thinking that, hey, I'm going to be poured into. I'm going to receive a word from the Lord today, and I'm just going to walk away and do nothing with it. I mean, come ready to do, ready to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I would add to that, um, you know, talking about not being just a spectator, but being a, a participator. Um, no, a participate. A participate. A participate. <laughs> uh, Thanks. Part of part of what that is, and especially talking about using spiritual gifts, is you know, if we're just going to be completely open and transparent with with our members, if you don't regularly attend, like we can't really use you. Uh, in the church, like for service, it becomes very difficult. So, like if you if if your gift is is singing in the choir and you really want to sing in the choir, but you're never there for practice, like you're not really ever going to be fully utilizing your gift. If you feel like you have the gift of teaching and so you want to teach a Sunday school class, like man, that that makes us very weary to allow someone to teach a Sunday school class if they never came to Sunday school before and they just kind of show up like I've never attended Sunday school but now I want to teach Sunday school and, and same thing with all these other services of you know if, if you don't show up on uh, if you don't show up on Sunday mornings but now you want to be part of the security rotation or something and it's like well I don't know you've never even a, you know regularly attended here so how reliable are you going to be if we're relying on you to serve in that security measure so i i, I want to point that out first of all talking about how the church needs you we need regular attenders because like their jobs and roles to fill and if if you're not a regular attender the church really just can't rely on you to do those things but i also want to say that to all of our servants who are singing in the choir, who are teaching our Sunday school classes, the most discouraging thing for them is for them to do a lot of preparation, for them to be really excited to use their spiritual gifts, and then not have anyone uh, to be able to use their gifts on. So if we have people preparing for a choir special, and then because it happens to fall on like a holiday weekend, if our attendance is less, and we have all these people preparing to do the special, like it is discouraging when there's less people in the sanctuary. If someone is preparing to teach a Sunday school class, um, and the Sunday school class is it's much less than it was uh, a few weeks ago, that is discouraging. They start wondering, like, well, am I doing something wrong? So not only does like the the church need you on that higher level, but all of our individual servants, like they also need you to be there to encourage them as they're using their gifts. Like they need that. We all need that. Yeah. And and we need accountability. And if you're not here and you're not known, if you come once a month or you come, you know, once every other week and you only come for an hour, you're not really well known. No one knows you. And so there's, there's not spiritual accountability. And I, I realize that Many churches in our community and in our nation have have marketed themselves on being a place where all you do is attend. So for some of our listeners, this is going to be antithetical. It's going to be a shock. It's going to be, what, what are you talking about? But w- what we're constantly trying to push back here is we are not a venue. We are not an experience. We are not multi-campuses where you pick where you want to go. And we're not multi-services where you can come this day or this day or that day. We're a family, and there's a big difference, and we want you to be known. Now, is everybody here going to know you? No, but we have systems in place where you can be known in small groups, discipleship groups, equipping groups, you know, all kinds of things. You can be known. And so if you uh, if you come, that's an opportunity of accountability because people will know you. I mean, it 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 tickles my fancy, you know, when it tickles my fancy when um, (laughs) when when people who who come, you know, once every so often, one hour a week disappear. Uh, 
And then they want to say things like, well, nobody reached out to me. Well, first of all, you made a covenant with this church when you joined. And even though churches don't put and frame the church covenant on their wall anymore, your grandparents used to do that. And it said church covenant. And in the church covenant, you agreed when you joined the church, whether anybody explained that to you or not, that you would covenant to live this way with other people. And one of the lines says that we will fellowship together, and at such time that the Lord removes us, we will find another place. So as a member, you have a responsibility. I think we get that backwards. Well, nobody contacted me. Okay, did you come and say to your leaders, hey, I'm leaving, and I want you to know that I'm leaving, and I want you to know that I'm taking the covenant commitment that I made, and I'm backing out on that, and here's why. Now, we've done... you know, podcast on when is it good to leave a church. So you can listen to that. You know, you don't always have to stay, but you made a covenant. You know, that would be like getting married and then just never coming home and saying, nobody contacted me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. Aren't you like part of this relationship? And, And number two, more to the point, it takes us a while to figure out if some of these people have gone. Right. Because they only came every once in a blue moon. To be real honest. Now, look, if people that are here on Wednesday night and Sunday are gone, I'm going to notice. And a lot of times when we have meetings pastorally, I'm asking about people. Hey, what about that family? Oh, right. they were here. You just didn't see them. I mean, I'm asking about people. But there's people that, yeah, I attend one hour a week. And I'm like, well, you know, sorry. I don't know that I've met you maybe twice. And I don't really know where you are. I don't really know what you're doing. And you know, what am I supposed to do about that? So it tickles me when when those same people who are very not connected want to kind of throw that out there like, well, and nobody visited me. Um, but no, I think you have a responsibility and under the covenant that you joined to say, I'm a part of this family and I have issues with the family. Just come and talk about that. And you might find that you don't have issues. Or you might find that you do, and the Lord's moving you somewhere else, and that's that's fine as well. But but you you kind of have that. But but that's because churches everywhere else they're not billing themselves as a family; they're billing themselves as an event, as a place to go, as a concert, and you're never really known, and there's no accountability. And you know you're going to find a lot of churches that operate that way and they're built that way and you can go and nobody nobody will ever know you and that's fine but that's not who we are and and you've got to understand that on the front end that is not the way we designed this thing and that's not the way we've agreed to live so if you're looking to just come and sit and leave and go you know I can give you the address of a few around town that would take you and be happy with that and that's great. But if you want to be a part of a family and you want to be accountable, you, you got to be here. We can't know you if you're not here. It's just that simple. All right, let's go to the second question. How often should people attend? So, Jake, you just brought up when people aren't here, it discourages those others who have their gifts. When people aren't here, the gospel is not made visible because no one's here to greet, sing, love one another, share spiritual gifts. So now let's ask this question. How often should you be at church? Because we have Sunday morning service, we have Wednesday night, we have Sunday night small groups for men and women. Sometimes the women's groups are all over. And you know, as time progresses, we may add more things. So it's a really good question. What's, I hate to say it, what's the bare minimum? Well, I would say it goes back to how you just defined church, which you defined church the way that we as pastors agree that church is a family. And that's that's Ephesians chapter 2, Correct. verse 22, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's biblical. Correct. That, so there's a reference for that. Anyway. No, that's, that's exactly right. And I would say since we view church as family, I mean, you wouldn't go to your wife and children and say, hey, uh, I'm going to come home tonight. Uh, but I'm not going to be there for the rest of the week. So you're going, you're, you're on your own. I'll see you one hour. I'll see you <laughs> one hour a week. Okay, Hannah. And she's going to look at me and be like, what? <laughs> that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, that's how we treat church. Uh, and if church is our family, then we should say when we are gathering together, as Hebrews 10 said, you know, we're not forsaking the assembly. It's not just, not just because we're out doing other things, but like we're literally, putting our family, our spiritual family 
on the sidelines so that we can do whatever else we think is more important. I mean, that's essentially what we are doing. And so if we view church as a family, technically, I mean, I think we should be here uh, as much as possible. How else will you know your brother and sister in Christ? How else will you know the struggles that each of us face so that we can hold one another accountable to the Word of God? I mean, you you truly have to know that person just like you know your wife or your children uh, by blood. So, I mean, you really need to, I think, be there as much as possible. I think that's a good answer. Now, again, just pressing forward, So somebody says, okay, I need to be there as much as possible. Does that mean that I have to be at every service that you offer? Yeah, because some people will define as much as possible as, well, I come Christmas and Easter. So that's as much as— And some people will define as much as possible every time the door is I would define as much as possible, like Jamie Dunlop uh, in— Compelling community. Compelling community. Thank you. Uh, where he, he actually coined the whole gospel revealing truth, but he also said in that when talking about the church, uh, and I think, Brady, you actually mentioned this before too, where the church becomes the nucleus of your family, of your community, where literally everything that you do, every part of your being revolves around the church, the local church. Well, I think, it. yes, it's a mindset. I'm going to do life with these people. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, people who get into the sports and they do sports all year long, they'll say things on Facebook like, my sports family. See, they've chosen to do life with that group of people. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of how they live. You're going to choose to do life with some group of people. And I think for the believer, it's the church. I mean, God calls you to do life with the church right Right. yeah and and i think that i think just to give uh people a good understanding of of kind of where we're coming from if if you were to press me and like well what is the bare minimum i would say the bare minimum is you have to be here sunday mornings and you need to be here when we have our our family worship nights because that's when we take communion now let's biblically define that why would we say that's the bare minimum First of all, we'd say, well, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we know that we should assemble at least regularly, although Hebrews 10, 24, 25 never establishes what regular is. It just says we are to assemble together, not forsake the assembling. But we also know from the the Gospels and Acts that the early church assembled habitually and they would do it every day in acts every day they met together but they also viewed the lord's day which was sunday as a particular day of interest so you know why do we not worship on saturday like the jews do observing the sabbath why do we worship on sunday the the simple answer is because in the new testament the Sunday, the first day of the week, was the day the Lord Jesus rose from the grave. The early church adopted that day as their day of worship to distinguish themselves from the Jewish people and the Sabbath. And so the Lord's Day has particularly been, historically, New Testament-wise, the day when God's people gather. So we would say, okay, gather on the Lord's Day and, and at least try to make that weekly right? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. The bare minimum would be gathering together on the first day of the week to observe the scripture, to pray together. And then you mentioned when we have the Lord's Supper and and have prayer night, when we have family worship nights, we do that currently at Broadway uh, about once a quarter. Um, We could do it more, but we just run into a lot of things. And These are really important nights because communion is when we preach the gospel to ourselves, you know, physically. We're touching the wafer and the juice. We're we're preaching it as we remember the Lord's death until he comes. And so we're preaching that gospel to ourselves, and it's so important to do that. And the sad thing about communion, and we could do a whole podcast on this, but a lot of people just don't even bother coming back. It's like, I don't even see the point in that and i'm busy and you know it's a mystical thing to me but communion is so vital i mean every member ought to say look we don't do this every day we set aside special times and this is important that we gather together and we 
observe the Lord's death and preach it once again to ourselves. Right. Come together as a church family. Communion can be a very uniting thing if God's people are willing to come together and do it. So, yeah, I mean, I I just wanted to point that out, Jake, that that biblically we would say those answers because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you come together. So he never like gave a set amount of time, but said we should do it. And scripture says that we should come together and we we do that on Sunday. That's right. So so I, I think we can pretty confidently say that, you know, that should be the bare minimum. It, it really should be. Um, but to go off Brandon's point, you know, I, I think a good way, because church attendance is something that we run into in, in student ministry all the time, because there's so many things competing for time. And the question I get asked all the time is, you know, well, what all do we have to go to? Because when you add in Sunday school and special fellowship events and Wednesday nights, and like we got to Youth lock-in coming up this weekend, but I'm not showing this release, but it'll probably be passed. Um, like, we have all those events, and it's like, hey, we, we cannot make everything. We can't go to everything. And, you know, my response is, well, you know, we understand that you can't make every single service, every single opportunity all the time. We, we get it. Even a pastor is allowed to take a vacation. <laughs> well, but, in case in point, this past Sunday I was gone. And I was going to a Washington trip with our school ministry, North Point, and my son, and I intentionally took that time. So you're not going to be here every Sunday. You can't be here every Sunday. You're going to get sick. You're going to need to take time with your family. You know, there's going to be things that come up. People, you, you know, I was thinking about one particular couple was telling me that I think it was their grandparents, that they had taken a couple of weeks because they had to go minister to their elderly family member who who you know is really sick and dying and I'm and they were kind of like apologizing to me and I said hey brother you're doing what God's required you to do you're honoring your father your mother your grandfather you don't have to apologize for that I believe you're worshiping when you do that so thank you for doing that for your family so obviously there's going to be times like that in all of our lives where we can't always be here we don't want to be legalistic and say, you need to be here every Sunday. But but here's the truth. Here's mm-hmm. the truth. What is often reality is that it's harder to get people to be consistent than it is to get them to take a break. It's yeah. harder than to, to get them to be consistent. And, you know, I, I'm amazed how many people are constantly going. I don't know where they go, where they get the money to go, but... I mean, you got people, it's literally every other weekend. If if you honestly did the math, I would say the majority of our people are are here less than they're gone because, they, you know, we mm-hmm. every holiday going somewhere. Yep. You know, and when I was growing up, we didn't we didn't do that. I mean, number one, we didn't have a fall break um, and that's coming up. And, you know, yeah, go be with your family. But people are going constantly fall break. Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, football games, summer vacation. Mm-hmm. Then they throw in family stuff, sports. I mean, you name it. They're constantly going. And it's like you're only here half the time. And you just can't build a church family like that. And and I'm going to say this. You may need to edit this out, Brandon. But, you know, one of the things that the, the – pulpit committee had said to me originally was things have got to change at Broadway and we know that we've got to go in a in a new direction and you know my evaluation there's a lot of reasons why Broadway had kind of suffered a stalemate a lot of times I think people want to point to one person for that I think a lot of it was people weren't here they were everywhere else you know, when you're gone all the time and you've got better things to do, it shows. And nobody wants to be a part of that. And so you've got to say, this is my family, this is my home, and this is where I want to be. And I see value in this, and it's important, and we're going to be here. And it always chaps my hide. Again, you can't always do this, but it cracks me up. People are like, yeah, we're going on this vacation. We're leaving Sunday morning. 
Now, they don't say we're leaving Friday night and skipping the game. They say we're leaving Sunday morning. I mean, I hear that. I've heard that all my life as a pastor. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you my own personal experience with that. It is always my goal to not leave on a Sunday. Always my goal. I will come and preach, and then we'll leave that afternoon. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Now, again, you can't always do that, but we do that. And I just think it's important, you know, you don't have to be here all the time. You can't be at everything, and I think that's what we're saying, right? We can't be legalistic. Right. But you have priorities. It has to be a pattern in your life, like a— yeah, a phrase I've heard is church should be the, the reason why you miss everything else, right? It should yeah. be the priority you give. Yeah. I can't be at that game. I'm sorry. We have church that day. Like, that's what trumps everything else. Obviously, you're sick. Obviously, there's times. But on a regular reason, like, no, we have Sunday. That's church. Like, And I think if more believers said that, that would solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, things happen in the world because people allow it. Mm-hmm. It's It's true. Governments are the way they are because people allow it. People are the way they are. Teams are the way they are. Everything's the way they are because people just simply go with it. And they probably like it, to be real honest with you, so they don't they don't want to change it. They don't want to change it. You know, case, case in point, I, I was talking with a particular person. So our school, you know, has to take a lot of Sundays, and I, I that bothers me. And I brought that up, and I said, in the appropriate context, I do not think we need to be taking people out of church on Sunday. I'm not just talking about Broadway. I'm talking about every church in this community. I think it's making a statement when we're constantly gone on all these different things, even if they're good things. And one teacher said to me, I mean, this person was being honest. She said, well, we always do a devotional when we miss. And I wasn't going to correct that right there in that meeting because it would have come off really negative so you know i just keep my mouth shut and it's one of those you know you don't want me to tell the truth you can't handle the truth but i'm i'm like um you know that's fraught with poor poor doctrine and theology i mean number one your devotions are not church and they never will be are you going to hold the people accountable near you every gathering even if it's a gathering of Christians, is not a church. A church is distinct because a church, number one, accurately handles the Word of God. How do we know you're accurately handling the Word of God? Number two, a church not only accurately handles the Word of God, but holds the people accountable. And I'm not talking about just that day. It's a familial relationship that holds accountability. A church stands on the truth. And so people say, well, we we do a devotional so what? That's not gathering with your family. I mean, imagine, you know, if if we, again, turn this on marriage and we said, well, we're married, but we're going to be gone, you know, away from our spouse half the time. But don't worry. You know, I tell them I love them. I tell them I love them. Uh, you know, I send them a text or I blow them a kiss. It's not the same. It doesn't it doesn't translate. So, you know, I'm happy that you're doing devotionals, but that's not church. And, you know, honestly, a lot of the time, I mean, good intentions, but wrong assumption. They need to be in God's house around God's people. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all about priorities. And, and especially, you know, because we have so many young families here at our church, you know, our nursery's just bursting at the seams. Uh, how you choose to attend church and what you make your priorities, that's teaching your children the next generation. And you know, I, I I personally try not to be too legalistic, but but I'll be honest. I've had so many conversations, and and so many times I feel like it's on a repeat because it's, you know, we know Wednesday's important, but we do this traveling sport, and then we know that there's that that event or that mission trip, but you know we're doing we're doing this vacation or this trip, and and sometimes I just wanna I wanna sit there. And I'm like, all right, it's it's okay to miss sometimes, but if you always choose sports over church what you're doing is you're teaching your child sports are more important or if you always choose not to go to let's say just like a fun church fellowship event or you know gathering if, if you choose not to go to that instead just you know i'm going to hang out at, at my friend's house or something 
that translates later in life where those become the, the kind of church members that think, well, it's okay to miss that Sunday because we're all going down to uh, we're all going down to the the college uh, the college game, and we're gonna carpool and and drive like that. And we'll have a okay. devotional. We'll yeah, have a it's, devotional. It, it's yeah. that same thing. It's it's what are you teaching them in that pattern? And and I think all of us have to sit back and well, evaluate what's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, and let's take that to its logical conclusion. Let's say that you have a teenager who's always gone because they're doing all these other things. Mom and dad's constantly got these people gone. That person never develops relationships within the youth ministry mm-hmm. so when they grow up and their friends aren't here yep what's going to happen now we can see this coming seven years down the road but you you know again we have to be polite we you know if we say this well you know you're actually driving a wedge between your child and this ministry seven years from now all their friends are going to be at some you know flippant church that is an event and they're going to say well all my friends go there and I don't know anybody at my church. And so the whole family ends up leaving. And it's like, well, we just don't have any connections. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, you've you've intentionally taken this person out of the fellowship for years. Of course you don't have any connections because that's what you did. That's what you built. And you're reaping now what you have sown. And I just think we have to be careful. You know, again, you can't always be at church. Have, has my family had devotionals on a vacation before? Yes. If we were on, for example, a cruise ship where we couldn't attend church, I certainly sat my family down and we opened the scripture together. But nine times out of ten, my kids will tell you, if we're out of town on a Sunday, I find a church and we go fellowship with other saints who are like-minded because that's really important to me. I, I just It's the Lord's day. And, and and really even further than that, if I can avoid it, I'm not going to miss the Lord's day. Again, not trying to be legalistic because I know people listening to this are going to be going, man, but you, you just can't miss all the time and be part of the family. You just can't. So you got to be here because everything's relational. It's all relational. Let me throw this in. I think everything that we plan pastorally is intentional. You know, when COVID hit, Brandon, you remember this. Brandon called me. I wasn't yet moved and the pastor here. And Brandon said, well, we're going to start back this and we're going to start back that. And what did I say to you on the phone? We're not going to start anything uh, because everything really should be, I mean, from what I recall, put on the table to make sure that what we are doing is the right thing, the most effective thing, the most helpful to the body. Yeah, so I I just said, hey, do me a favor. Don't start anything, anything back because what COVID has done for this new pastor is allowed us to end everything and only start back intentionally what is beneficial for the body. So we are not doing services just to do services here. We're not just having a, a night service where we're pressuring people to come. I think everything we offer is very intentionally thought out. And when we come to the place where we say this isn't helping the church anymore, we cut it. We cut it. But we are very clear, I think, like Wednesday night, very clear this is going to be a study. And if you want to come, you know, you're not obligated to come. We don't want to make you feel bad. But we do believe we're giving you something of value. Sunday morning, same thing. We feel like we're, we're not wasting your day. We're not getting up there and rambling on and on with announcements and all this. I mean, we're very intentional with everything that we do. But the purpose is we are trying to edify you in that hour. Same with Sunday school. You know, everything I think that we've, we've added back in, women's and men's ministry, we've always asked the question, is this necessary and is this beneficial for the body as a whole? And we made some decisions that some things weren't really, at the moment, necessary and, and good. I mean, they may have served their purpose in the past, but, you know, they were just habit now. We were just doing them out of habit. And we said, look, let's not restart that. Let's in- instead think about our people's time. So let's also be clear. We're not asking you to be here five nights a week. I mean, we're asking people to just come 
a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just be here a couple of hours and, and fellowship with the body? So Wednesday night is intentional. I mean, we moved the time because people felt like their time was being wasted. Five to six were eating and the kids get restless and run everywhere around the building and you know, we don't get out of here till 8.30. And I'm like, okay, well, we can fix that. We can go 5 to 5.30. I'll get you out of here by 6.30 on the dot. You can have time to go home, bathe the kids, do what you need mm-hmm. to do. Go to choir. Go to choir. That's right. You know, and even if you go to choir, you'll be out of here by 7.30 so that you still have an evening and you're, you're not exhausted. Why are we doing these things? We're trying to be intentional. Why do we have food? And why did we get rid of the tickets where you had to buy it ahead of time? Because we said we want people to fellowship. Well, like a family. We right. want you to sit around the table and fellowship with people that you don't know. So people who are like, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's your choice, but you're not in the body. You're not in what's going on anyway. Yeah, that's right. We're we're actively trying to be as adaptable uh, as possible. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing in student ministry is we're, we're transitioning from having sixth grade to 12th grade in one group into having a real middle school and high school ministry. And, and part of that transition and even changing perhaps the, the times of the meetings, although not all that has been hammered out, is well because we want to make coming to church as easy as possible. We also want it to be the most beneficial thing. And so we're, we are doing our best to, to listen to our people and figure out what can we do better? What do we need to change? Let's not just stick to the same thing just because it's always been that way. But at the same time, there does come a certain point where it's like, you got to just choose to come. I mean, we, if there is no better time and there's no better convenient and we're offering something worthwhile, what else can we possibly do uh, to make it easier to make the choice to come to church? Well, and also at the end of the day, real quick, because I know we probably need to move on to the next point. Um, but this kind of goes back to what you said. We don't want to be legalistic about how many times you need to be in the building. But we do want to show you that we are serious about church membership because it is serious. And I'll say this in the regard of even something as simple as, and not simple, but uh, spiritual warfare. I mean, if you are not here. And we'll go back to that student example a second ago. If that student does not build community here in this church and they go to college or they grow up in life, those are the ones that are going to be more likely to deconstruct their faith because they did not have a brother that would stand in the gap for them and say, no, you know what is right. You know what is the truth. Now live it out or, you know, be saved or whatever needs to happen. You're on your own. And just like a cheetah is going after that gazelle that is on the fringes or maybe sick or wounded, that is how Satan is looking at you who is on the outside of the church. Yeah, if you want to put a target on your back, don't come to church, right? If you want to be sniped or picked off, don't come. Go do it by yourself. Do church at home. You know, do your devotions, and you'll get picked off because you're you're not part of the army. You're off on your own lone right. mission, right? So yeah, for your own safety, come. Yeah, because it's a it, it's a self fulfilling prophecy in some ways. You know, like, well, I, I don't want to go to that thing because I don't feel connected. Well, if you went to that thing, you would be more connected. Or you know, I, I don't want to go that study because I feel like it's over my head. Well, if you start going to those studies, you will be edified in the body, and you will be able to grow in your faith and you know, so not legalistic, but serious. We are. Yeah, I like that. So how often should you go? I think we've kind of answered it. Mm -hmm. Everything is relational. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we design it to be a relationship and Mm -hmm. everything is intentional. So what we do offer, we intentionally offer it to you, not to wear you out, but to be very intentional about your relationships. So, you know, you're going to have to decide how often do I come and what do I come to but I also will say this. I'm often I'm often amazed, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack from this, but, you know, I'm not going to apologize for my calling and my position and, and what I think is right. You know, I'll see people who say that they can't come on Wednesday night, but let me tell you, they don't miss the games that are that are going on up here. You know, we have a great sports program, and they don't miss those, and somehow they're here at 5 o'clock for those, but they're not here at 5 30 for church and it's like oh well well, i can't get off work but then the same people i'm i'm mentally noting noting um that they they, there they are at five o'clock so you know i had this old farmer in harrisburg 
he had thousands of acres that he farmed in Harrisburg, Arkansas. His name was Clay. And uh, Clay once said, uh, you know, that he had a lot of work to do, and every other farmer that I knew at our church, at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Harrisburg, would not come during planting season because they were like, we're so busy, we plant from dusk to dawn, we're gone every day, and they really would be. I mean, they were like killing it out there as farmers, and so none of the farmers would come to church for like about a month because it was planting season, and it was always in the fall. And there's Clay. Clay's got the largest plot of land in the area. He's one of the largest farmers in the area, and he's sitting out there Sunday after Sunday in church during planting season. And so I I went up to him one Sunday and I said, Clay, I said, how is it that you're here? I mean, you, you must have like a lot of hands doing it for you. He said, oh, oh no, pastor. He said, I I have hands like everybody else, but I have to be out there. I mean, this is critical time. If we don't get it in the ground, you know, it doesn't grow. And I said, well, how is it that you're coming every Sunday and all these other guys can't come? And he said, pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I can't give God one hour a week to stop what I'm doing, come in here and be under the word, he said, then something's wrong. He said, you do what you want to do. And that is so true. That is so true. This guy was working dusk to dawn. I mean, you'd see these tractors out in these fields at 10 o'clock at night in the dark. They'd have their lights on and they'd still be plowing, right? And this guy knew, I'm going to be out there at 10 o'clock tonight. I'm going to be on that thing all day long, but you do what you want to do, and if I can't give God an hour, something's wrong. I never forgot that. I thought, man, that is a great testimony and a great example. So no, we're not trying to be legalistic, but I think the truth is we could probably give a little bit more than what we do. All right, so the last question, what do you do once you're here? Okay, so why should you attend? We answered that because you need the church and the church needs you. How often should you attend? We've said, well, you know, that could be very varying, but everything's intentional. Everything's relational. All right. What do you do once you're here? Like, let's say that you do show up. We want you to do more than just sit every Sunday morning on a pew, right? So what are some specific things that the body can do to make the gospel visible to people coming into the church, but also to edify one another? What are some things they can do? I think, uh, you know, immediately coming in, uh, and I'll use that as an example. I could mention one that relates to me specifically, but when you come... Would it it be sing? It may be, but just when you come in the doors, you know, welcome. You know, having a a spirit of of greeting, uh, showing love, for brothers and sisters as you come into the door. I mean, that's 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 huge because if if they walk into our church and no one says hello and no one is warm and no one's friendly, it doesn't matter what we say in the pulpit, right? They don't hear it because they're thinking this is like the coldest church I've ever been to. But thankfully that's not the case at Broadway. We hear a lot of positive about how friendly it is and I mean, what a great testimony for the church. Right. Yeah, and it, it really is a powerful testimony because you think about it, if, if a visiting uh, family comes to our church, if if four other families are nice to them, but then one other family is rude, they're only going to remember the rude person, right? And so the fact that there's so many people coming saying that it was such a warm reception really is a testimony to how intentional all of our members are being. And so we do want to thank them for that. Um, I, I'll say another thing that you know we need our members for in order to, to have the uh, the gospel be apparent is, you know, we, we got to be there on time. Uh, I'll say that's another thing. Uh, and part of the reason why I, I say that is, you know, we, we have Sunday school and Sunday school starts at nine. I know people think it starts at 10 o'clock. It's Sunday school starts or at 915 nine. Yeah. or all this other stuff. Yeah. Here's the reason why it's important to be there at nine for Sunday school. Because what if your Sunday school has a visitor? And they show up at nine and they're just wondering, where's everybody else? I came to visit this class. Or what if someone's coming to the service? It's a new church. They've never been here. So they're going to show up a few minutes early, right? So if you are not there in the hub as part of that fellowship time to greet them, if you're coming in five, ten minutes uh, later or as the service is starting, kind of sneak in the back, it's still, it's good that you're there and that you didn't skip, but you are cutting off your ability to greet them 
to show compassion for them, to meet them. Like you're you're removing yourself from being able to be that visible representation of the gospel. Well, and we've had that happen. Visitors show up and they're like, oh, I thought Sunday school started at nine and they're just kind of sitting there and it's awkward and we're apologizing. Um, you know, and again, it's it's kind of this apathy. Would we, if, if we said, let's again flip the tables and we said, okay, it's a football game, and the team isn't going to show up on the field until 15 minutes after start time at 7.30. They're going to show up at 7.45 because we don't really need to go that long, and I can get everything done in so many minutes, and it's, you know, we've all seen football before. Um, I mean, could what would that communicate? It would communicate laziness, undisciplined uh, teams. I mean, you would say that about anything if if – there's a start time and nobody wants to start it's like why does nobody want to start and just personally speaking that would be a deal breaker for me if i walked into a church and i was sitting there for 15 minutes and everybody's dangling in because you know it's like this chore to come i would be like well you've told me enough already about how you view all this and so i know that sounds harsh but i mean just for me personally if i were looking for my family and I weren't a pastor, I'd be like, yeah, I, I just don't like that. Something rubs me wrong about that. And so I think it's important that, you know, we're visible, we're there, we're there to greet people, we're there to love people, we're, we're thinking about people. And if we're not thinking about them, that, that's probably why nobody wants to come because, you know, you've become a clique and you don't care about anybody else. And so it's just about what makes us comfortable. But Jesus doesn't call us to be comfortable or apathetic. He calls us to be energized and full of worship right and caring so anyway what else what what would they do if they're 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 here and they come i mean we kind of mentioned earlier but i mean singing right we're not here to watch brandon right this is not the brandon concert as good as a musician as brandon is right we are to join in song and encourage one another and it's a lot more encouraging when we're all singing with a smile on our face and we are thinking about the words that we're singing we're not just thinking about where we're gonna go to eat for lunch while we're singing and Oh, I can just check out for the next three songs. Like, no, are you worshiping the Lord, thinking about him? And even the sermon, are you listening? Are you engaged? Are you opening your Bible that you brought with you, following along in the message, taking notes, talking to your kids after the sermon? You know, hey, what did you think about Pastor Mark's sermon? What did you like? What was the illustrations? You know, how did it speak to you? So being engaged and expecting to hear from the Lord, not just kind of being there, you know, mindlessly. Can I expound? I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, Brady, with uh, singing. Um, but one thing I will say, um, because I love what you said about it not being a, a concert, um, I will say this as most uh, plainly as possible. We will never at this church be or have a concert mentality. Everything that we do will be done with excellence because we all as pastors agree that God requires that of us. Like everything that we do in the church should be done with excellence, but it will never be a concert. And I I don't want to say that because uh, we actually got an email one time that said, uh, could the worship pastor please stop uh, saying the lyric before we sing it or before we hear it because that takes away from the, uh, the concert. I mean, literally, he, he said concert. The concert. It takes okay. away from the concert. <laughs> or, or, you know, and that he totally missed the point. I mean, if, if you're coming expecting to listen when we're singing, then you've missed the point completely. Literally everything that, that I'm doing pastorally and that we are doing as a group, and I teach this to the, the orchestra, I teach this to the choir, I teach this to the praise team, whatever we are doing is to instill the courage for people to sing the Word of God, because that's what we're doing, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's how we make up the service. It's not about being blended or traditional or contemporary or any of that. I don't even Those aren't even my vocabulary. Uh, we want to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and we want every believer to sing end quote amen and and what a day it would be when the congregation primarily sings what a testimony that will be and if somebody says well pastor we are singing i think that's a harsh criticism i think we're singing and i I would include myself in this i think we're singing i don't think we're singing as loudly and as joyfully as we could as a congregation 
I think some of that is it's intimidating, and some of it people feel like they, they can't sing, and there's all different reasons. But what a testimony it will be when the congregation is singing joyfully, loudly, not just the choir, the congregation, and people come in and go, man, that, that was powerful. Just like when we went to Nashville, and we were there in that church, and we saw all those pastors singing a cappella powerfully. It was a testimony yeah. to us, and I think it would be to people as well. So, well, I personally, I enjoy, I enjoy every Sunday morning. So please, you know, whatever's coming out next, don't don't take it as me not enjoying the other Sunday mornings. But the the Sunday morning worship services that I enjoy the absolute most. And maybe you even notice this congregation when I'm when I move up to the front of the stage above the monitors, I am looking to hear your voices. And when I sit when I stand up there and I hear the congregation singing louder than the band, louder than the choir, even though they're all doing a wonderful job, when I hear you singing, that is when I get fired up the most. That is when I am energized. And, and Brandon excited. starts jumping and start around yelling and, and yelling and, and all that good stuff. But it's when you're when you're singing. Um, that that is when I get the most excited in a worship service. Yeah, that's right. And you know, we like for you to get excited, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, going back to what Brady said earlier, he, talking about what we can do uh, when we're here, I think preparing to preparing to listen to the sermon and having your Bible open, taking notes, not just on Sunday mornings, but even on Wednesday nights, that that goes a long way. Uh, I'm thinking about specifically, you know, every Sunday morning, uh, there's a time where we, uh, we all stand up and we all read from God's Word together. And some people do stand up and they open the Bible and they read along. Some people don't actually do that. Some people stand up and their Bible is way down there, and it looks like they're just distracted and they're they're looking around. Visitors do see that, and if they say and they think to themselves, "Well, the the members of the church don't seem to be taking the reading of God's word seriously," maybe I shouldn't either. Or if Mark is in the middle of a sermon and it looks like someone's daydreaming or checking the time on their phone, like all those little things, that communicates this isn't a reverent time. This isn't something we should be paying close attention to. But if they look to their right and their lefts, like of their pew, and they see all of our members paying close attention and writing down notes, immediately that communicates, like, as soon as Mark begins preaching, hey, this is going to be worth it. This is going to be amazing. I, I guess I also need to take notes. I need to pay closer attention because our members are paying attention. Yeah, and That's a good point. It's a good point. And we have journals in the book nook, by the way, in the hub if you need one. Yeah. I'll just throw that in. So last church, I had this woman that would sit on the front row, and she would go through Facebook while I was preaching, and everybody saw it because she would hold it up. Ouch. And I don't know, I don't think she knew or figured it out, but we also had this guy every Sunday, almost on cue, he would get up and go use the bathroom. Every Sunday. And I'm just going to say that's such a distraction to me. Now, there's times when medically you have to, right? You just have to get up. But the sermon is about 30, 35 minutes. I mean, you can probably sit there for 30, 35 minutes. Most people, not not maybe elderly, not people on medication, that sort of thing. But I'm like, if you know that you're going to get up every week, sit in the back so that you don't disturb everybody else like you know and this guy in texas he would not he would sit on the front right and like every week he would get up and i was just like why why every week why can't you just sit still one sunday and you know there we you know i'll notice that here we have some of the kids um and some of these are older kids it's like on cue you know and i'm like i just said and finally, in conclusion, and you get up to go to the bathroom. Why? We're about to end. And and that that's just a personal pet peeve. I want to say, sit down. Sit down and wait. We're done in five minutes. But, of course, I don't do that. But, but you know, the singing and the, the expectation, that's what we're getting at. What can you do when you're here? You can do those things. You can love people. You can love one another. Most importantly, though, I think it builds relationships that go beyond the building of the church. You know, you'll have the opportunity to hold a brother or sister accountable beyond the service times of the church because you're here. You'll have the opportunity to speak into somebody's life because you're here 
and you'll have those moments outside of the church. I think this is like a springboard to doing and living life with other believers that we need so desperately in our Christianity. Amen? Well, on that note, we'll end our podcast today, and we'll uh, just let everybody know that this podcast has been sponsored by—what was the word, Brandon? The, the, uh, participate. participate. Oh, yes. <laughs> and how did we say I am it? a— I am a a participate. participate. That's right. This podcast is sponsored by I am a participate. And I think we should do bumper stickers and things and like those, those, those little things you put on your arm. What do you call them? Hype stripes. Yeah. I am a, I am participating. Kind of like I am second. I am participate. Participate. And so please make that happen. Brandon, Let's have an I am participate yes, uh, campaign that we're going to get on that. I'm super excited Sponsored about by that. Jamie Dunlop and Compelling Community. I mean, we did. That's yeah. right. Oh, and who, who can forget uh, best friends for uh, what do you no, say? Forgiver. 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 Best friends forgiver. Thank, yes. Thank you to the best friends forgiver group who's also sponsored this podcast today. Thank you very much for your patronage. And you, who is getting up in the service every week. Yes, we know who you are, and you've sponsored this podcast. Please use the bathroom before you come to the service. It's not that difficult. Or sit in the back. And on that note, I guess we should end this wonderful discussion of your presence is requested.